Good morning, Al. <laughs> hey, good morning. Yeah, I was in there this morning helping set up, and we got a bunch of new lights. Uh, one of the guys went over to Menards in Mankato and picked up some lights so we'd have a little more brightness because we lost our our normal voting area uh, due to the tornado. Oh. Uh, the, it became uh, the post office. So we went and got them, and we're going to light up the place so it would be so bright people would be able to tan by the lights. They'd have to wear (laughs) uh, sunglasses. It would be so bright. And they didn't fit. So now poor Dennis has to take them back to Menards sometime in Mankato. So the best laid plans. The lights that are in there are those... uh, kind of corkscrew fluorescent ones that are yeah. it they're fine for most things but when people are trying to read the ballots and things it gets a little dark in the corners so we were yeah. but it didn't work but even then that was it when we were there six this morning or something i think so, doing that. Al, so. tell me as an election jug, judge how long have you been doing that and what exactly does an election judge do because i know it's a volunteer position correct uh, no, most oh. get paid, and oh. I can't speak for everybody, so I, I don't know, but uh, I've been doing it for, oh, 30, 30 some years, and uh, it's, I enjoy it. Uh, I, you know, it seems in uh, small areas you'd see everybody because you think, well, there's only 12 people that live there. They must bump into one another sometime, but... You know, you you don't see people for quite a while, and then you see them when they come in vote, and that's certainly been uh, more so the last couple of few years with the pandemic and everything. But uh, we uh, register a lot of people, which is always fun registering somebody to vote. It just uh, I remember registering as a young fellow to vote and just thinking, what a glorious day! For now, I am certainly an adult. And it was uh, it was it was just a great feeling becoming a voter, and uh, people people are enthused about voting. Uh, they like to come in. Uh, Minnesota, of course, has a, um, a history of a high percentage of people voting, and that has uh, certainly continued in uh, small rural areas like ours here. People get on vote, and they get the "I voted" sticker. But we register everybody when they come in and vote, and we have the rosters they fill out, and uh, we publicize the event, if that's the right way to say what you're doing for a voting. Uh, we try to let everybody know where they vote, and as you mentioned on the air, some for some people, where they vote has changed. So it's important if you uh, if you think that might be the case, uh, check with the county or um, somebody you know that's uh, like a head election judge and just to make sure so you don't uh, make the wrong trip Uh, through the years we have had that happen where people have moved into an area and just because they're the city address they think this is where they vote and uh, you have to tell them they have to go vote somewhere else we certainly wish we could take them but it's um it's an enjoyable duty and uh uh, somebody called me this morning and said to make sure I vote right and not wrong. So he <laughs> said, you can take that however you mean it. So I thought, yeah, well, thanks. I appreciate the help. So it, there's always some that uh, I, I'm just speaking for myself, and I'm sure a lot of people, especially if they're a lawyer or something, probably know who all those judges are. 
and what they've done, and uh, but I see none of them have any uh, anybody running against them, at least in our area here. But I I always feel bad, and I try to read up on them a little bit, and of course that's kind of a a lost cause because it just uh, there's nothing there that really resonates with me when I read about them. So I guess if I haven't heard a lot about them, they're probably doing a good job. <laughs> So, Al, is there more security or anything? Because we've been hearing so much about being at the polls over in your area. Is there extra, like a bouncer at the door or something? Or just you? Yeah, no, there's uh, there's nobody there. And, uh, oh. I, I can't imagine there'd be need for any, and I certainly hope there's no need for any anywhere. It's just, uh, it's sad. Uh, boy, it's it's such an honor that in privilege they were allowed to go in and vote and it just uh, you know that's nobody should there shouldn't be anybody causing any problems in there that's a, a wonderful place to be oh i want to thank uh, barry kaplan of uh, steamboat springs barry i appreciate you so very very much and also uh thank you to everybody at first presbyterian church in mankato what a Wonderful flock of folks there. I'm looking out. I just seen some birds that have completed their molts. Boy, they appear impeccably dressed now. They look pretty <laughs> rough. Just you know, a couple weeks ago, and now they look like they've gone to one of the uh, snazzier dress shops or uh, a place that uh, offers suits. And got all dressed up, and they just look sharp now. So it's, and I'm seeing a fox sparrow sort through the fallen leaves in search of what I can only assume is sparrow chow of one kind, Purina sparrow chow. I pulled some, uh, went for a walk early this morning, pulled some common burdock plants. Uh, in my walks over the years, I have encountered a kinglet, a goldfinch, and a hummingbird that have been killed after becoming entangled in a burdock. Hmm. And the birds become caught by those hooked bracts that surround the flower heads and seed heads. And the more a bird struggles, the more ensnared it becomes. It's like those old movies used to show when the people got into to the wet sand. And they just, the more they struggled, that quicksand would suck them down. And that's kind of what the burdock does. Uh, other small bird species have been reported to have succumbed this way after seeking insects or seeds, and they include gnat catchers, nuthatches, chickadees, warblers, and siskins. But the three I remember are the kinglet, goldfinch, and hummingbird, and I might have seen, been walking for a long time. I watched a, uh, last night, it was late in the afternoon, hadn't quite darkened much, but it was it was cold. And I watched a fluffy or furry, I'm not sure which way they prefer to be called, moth. And it's shivering to warm itself. And I'm sure it checked the weather report and said, today is going to be a little warmer. I can warm myself and then I'll be able to fly today. But now it's so windy, so it's probably still somewhere shivering. Uh, Mary Bailey of uh, Chatfield. Uh, Mary is 
married to Bill Bailey, and I'm sure she gets uh, people singing uh, Won't You Come Home, Bill Bailey song <laughs> around her pretty regularly. But she said we have a woolly bear caterpillar in our garage for several days. He is just hanging out on an old flannel sheet put under Bill's car to catch a spot or two. I put him near the edge of the floor, but he seems to prefer the center. Any advice on what to do with a sweet creature, maybe make him a flannel bed of his own in the garage corner. When I heard from Mary, the next day was supposed to hit 70, and I think it hit 72. So my advice was to just let it go outside, and it would find its place in in the world. Uh, Dean Musing said, I saw a northern shrike in my backyard. Noticed the other songbirds were nowhere to be found. That's a first for me to see this bird. Notice they have a small hook on their beak. And they are indeed songbirds, but they're songbirds that will uh, eat other things like uh, birds and mice and things. Uh, Brian Smith of Sleepy Eye was at the Sleepy Eye Water Treatment ponds and he saw a leaf sandpiper and a bared sandpiper a couple of folks from down around uh, mason city rita granson said on clear lake there were lots of coots a few ruddy ducks few pintails had five surf scoters uh, that is a really cool bird and uh, some of the scoters, uh, Karen and I were talking before we went on the air that she's seeing some some uh, ducks that have some dark. Yeah, I them. was just looking at the, the pictures. You know, we were talking about what I saw these ducks. They were almost all black. At first, I, they were so big, and I thought, well, could those be loons? But, you know, I know what a loon looks like. But I'm looking at the picture. Could it have been what's called a white wing scoter? They're mostly black, and they've got some little white on them because I know there was flashes of white could that have been what they were because I saw about 25 on Lake Washington last week a, a few different times just kind of floating you know not too far from the shore and and so I'm wondering if it could be because they're pretty big birds it looks like on the the yeah uh, it, it'd yeah. be really cool to see them here I'd have to say uh, if I was a betting man which I'm not I, I lost a dollar in a slot machine <laughs> once, and it still stings. It was on the penny uh, machine, and it took forever to lose a dollar. And, uh, oh, man, after I lost, my airbag did not deploy, so it stings. <laughs> uh, you would prob It's probably not. It but isn't. you know me, Karen. I would never say... I would never say never. I just, you never know. I mean, is and it just unusual that they don't live down here, or would they be traveling yeah. somewhere else? Like, that's what I was thinking. Like, maybe they're migrating somewhere. I didn't. Know. Yeah, and it's very possible that they are, but I I don't know that we'd see them. Do we ever see scoters here? Yeah, we sure do see scoters here. Uh, not with uh, great regularity, I okay. guess. But there was, I remember, I was up. Oh, it was in the spring of the year, and I was somewhere around Nicollet Island, and I saw a surf scoter there. Or, I'm sorry, a white wings scoter. So it is, I would say, I'm sure it's listed as a regular species in Minnesota during migration. Ah. But the reason I'm saying you're probably not seeing him here is they're usually seen on the north shore. Okay. So, but again, you know, they breed in central Canada, northwest into the interior of Alaska, and then they winter along both coasts. 
So I I don't know. I wish it was, but you, you just never know. That's well, the you fun know, about looking I'm, at birds. I'm sure if I go out there now, and they probably are gone already, because otherwise I'd, I would have taken a picture had I known that it was going to be difficult to identify them. But, of course, I didn't. So now they probably moved on for all I know. You never know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, Rita said she saw three horned grebes and some pine-billed grebes. She said there's a few gulls around. Uh, quite a few greater yellow legs, one snipe and two long-billed dowagers, uh, two rough-legged hawks. And I saw a rough-legged hawk uh, just the other day, too. Uh, they're really beautiful birds. Uh, she said, we've been seeing Lapland longspurs for a couple weeks now, and I saw oh, a group of, I don't know, 30 of them maybe. Rita said she saw one of 300 birds, so a few more than than I did, and she said uh, she saw a flock of at least 60 cedar waxwings. Uh, Ryan Shackleton said he saw a group of turkeys this morning. There were three normal hens and five pure white ones, thinking they were either leukistic or far enough removed from a domestic ancestor that they looked like wild turkeys, and they were able to fly unlike any farm turkey I've seen. Les Nessman. I thought turkeys could fly. <laughs> uh, what percent of birds migrate? You know, I attended, uh, or I, I don't know if you attend, or I took a Bell Museum master class presented by a representative of the National Audubon Society. And he said 19% of global bird species and 70% of North American birds migrate. He said about 80% are nocturnal migrants. 96% of land birds feed insects to their chicks. And according to a large-scale analysis of data gathered by 21 bird observatories from northern Europe and Canada on nearly 200 species, birds have advanced the timing of their migration by an average of just over a week since the late 1950s and early 1960s. Uh, Short-distance migratory birds start their migrations by a day and a half to two days sooner every decade on average. Mm. Uh, Long-distance migrants start six-tenths of a day to 1.2 days earlier, and the change is more pronounced in the spring than in the fall. And kind of related to that in a little ways, uh, somebody asked what's a good tree to plant for birds? Uh, trees that provide nuts and berries, of course, you all say, boy, that's good. It's something for the birds to eat. But another thing is that a tree that feeds caterpillars are great. And I know you had him on the air one day, Doug Tallamy. He's and, a professor in the Department of Entomology and, and he Wildlife would say, Ecology. The oak tree is by far the best tree. Yep. He's at the University of Delaware, and he's author of numerous books that are just wonderful. And he said the oak uh, it supports 557 species of caterpillars. But there's other ones, black cherry, 456 species, and maples support up to 297 species. And how it ties into that seminar I, I took is that 96% of land birds feed insects to their chicks. So Tallamy made it simple. He said no insects no baby birds. So oak trees are uh, are wonderful. I grew up in the m- midst of uh, uh, oak woods, and it was a great place. 
Uh, listener says, how can I attract goldfinches to my yard? Goldfinches, they eat seeds. So provide Niger seed and or black oil sunflower seed and water. But things you plant in your garden are great for them. Sunflowers, black-eyed Susans, coneflowers, asters, uh, cosmos, milkweed, joe pieweed, uh, and native thistles. Uh, how can I tell a downy woodpecker from a hairy woodpecker? Uh, the hairy's much larger, and I know, you know, you look out and you see this woodpecker and you say, I know it's a hairy or a downy, but is that the big one or is it the little one? I can't tell when I'm only seeing one. Uh, the male of each species has a red nape spot, and that's lacking on the female this time of year, so you can tell. Uh, but a diagnostic feature is a bill. The downy has a short, stubby bill. The hairy has a bill nearly as long as its head. So if it's dinky, it's a downy. If it's huge, it's a hairy. Uh, great question came in from Debbie. said, what's the difference between a horn and an antler? Uh, usually cars don't come with antlers, <laughs> so if it honks, it's, it's a, that'd be a horn. No, uh, antlers, they grow as an extension of an animal's skull and are generally found only on males of the deer family. And I want to underline and circle generally because, boy, a lot of people are probably saying right now, well, female caribou, they have antlers. Yes, they do. So it's, it's generally found only on males. Horns are made of compressed keratin growing from the bony core and are never shed. And keratin is like our fingernails. So these permanent cranial appendages can be found on both male and female bighorn sheep, cattle, although uh, there are naturally polled breeds of cattle. Uh, I grew up with cattle, and we used to have to dehorn ours usually. That was but awful, yeah. <laughs> dehorning was, was horrible, thing. yeah. I hated that. Poor things. And they always said, oh, that doesn't really hurt them. I thought, oh, holy cow. Sure look like <laughs> it. It does. Uh, bison have horns. Uh, antlers are seasonal. Again, this would be general. Antlers are seasonal, so they're shed and regrown yearly, while horns are permanent. And then if anybody's lived out west, you're going to say, well, what about the pronghorn, which a lot of people call antelope. They're not really antelope, but pronghorn. They have horns, but they shed them annually. So that's kind of the... Uh, the difference between the two, but with some exceptions included, because no matter what you're talking about, there are always exceptions. It's, we're always told why somebody got to do something, and, well, there's exceptions to every rule. That's why they get to do that, and you don't. And we say, well, there shouldn't be exceptions, but there are. <laughs> so that's the way we go. I, I mentioned about your duck uh, earlier that there are American black ducks. Well, could it have been a scop? I'm just looking at pictures here, and I was looking, and I see yep. a thing called the scop, S-C-A-U-P, and as I'm looking, and they've got that little white, and I thought that's kind of what they look like. Is, okay. that, is that still Those a duck? Those would be very, or? very possible, and they have some white on the body, too. Yeah, and but is, are they rare? Because I don't recall seeing them before. We do get scoped through here. And they're diving. The other thing I didn't mention to you was they, they're diving. So they dove like the loon, and they would, like, dive under and then not come up for a while. So that's why I was wondering yeah, what Yeah, and then that sounds more like cormorants. Oh, well, I don't know. They're, 
they're great divers, and okay. they sit low in the water and look like a loon. Yes, that and would be it then, I bet. And cormorants are the ones who do not have waterproof feathers. And you'd think, you know, if you're going to be a bird that dives after fish and thing, the first first thing you'd want to do is say, I need to have waterproof feathers so I can do that. So that's why we'll see them up in a tree with their wings spread in kind of a heraldic pose because they're drying their feathers. Oh. And then the American black ducks, when I was a kid, I thought uh, Daffy Duck was American black duck, but they're they're. They're a dark duck, but I certainly wouldn't call them black ducks. And there aren't so many of them anymore. The North American Breeding Bird Survey, they reported a decline of 84% between 1966 and 2014. Uh, Farming practices, logging, urbanization, you know, we hear that on pretty much everything. Uh, Duck hunters exploited this duck for many decades. They were shooting 800,000 a year in the 60s and 70s. Uh, the Humane Society pursued a lawsuit that led to hunting restrictions. I think they were shooting 115,000 or something a year today. But black ducks are warier than mallards. They're less tolerant of disturbance, so they don't want to be where we are. Mallards don't seem to have any problem with that. And mallards have contributed to the decline by hybridizing with black ducks. And black ducks are very vulnerable to lead poisoning after eating lead shot. So they have a lot of things going against them, but that would definitely not be your duck. Okay. Hey, thanks, everybody, for sitting on the front porch with us. You know, it... The other day, I thought it would have been a completely exquisite day if it hadn't been for the fierce wind. And how many days a year do I think that here in Minnesota? <laughs> a bunch, I bet you. I heard you mention I bet you a little while ago, and sometimes there's no, there's no two words that work better than I bet you. But the day was all good. The weather was nothing that an inspirational message on my teacup couldn't improve. The patrons of husbandry were busy and their tractors and trucks provided that dull melody of harvest. I live out in the country and you hear them, they work late at night and you just hear that. The patrons of husbandry, I love those guys. I filled my car's tank with gas and the screen on the pump required me to take an IQ test before it allowed me to use my credit card. Have you been to some of those? They just say that. And just one more question. I barely had time to grumble about that before I found a sandwich at a calorie distribution center that matched my appetite. Each day has more twists than a pretzel factory. I got on an elevator at a hospital with a doctor I knew, and I knew he was from England. So he didn't get on an elevator. He got on a lift. It was There was no music, which was kind of nice. We got to talk a little bit. And we were both headed up. And you're saying, is there a point to this? Yes. <laughs> we were on the same conveyance, but I rode an elevator up while he rode a lift up. And that's because we were raised differently. <laughs> Remember, folks... Heartland is while we're driving past. Uh, thanks for listening to us. Do something wild today. Get out there and look at a bird. Everybody get out and vote. Karen, thank you much. Enjoyed your company. It's always great to have you too, Al. And I'll maybe I'll try and get pictures of the things next time so I don't have such a hard time trying to figure out what the heck I'm looking at. I'd love to see them. Okay, thanks, Al. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Always great to chat with our good friend, Mr. Al Bat. And hey, if you ever want to listen to Al Bat. 
Maybe you missed part of the conversation or you'd like to listen to past one. He's always got such great advice. We have those on the KMSU podcast. Go to KMSU.org. Under podcast, there's one that's called Birding with Bat. There's other ones, too. You can subscribe. There's one, uh, Gardening with Barb. There's another one that's Every Day is Earth Day, talking about environmental issues. There's community stories, talking about things happening in our communities here in southern Minnesota. So it's all on the podcast, and I encourage you to subscribe to uh, listen at your leisure anytime you want.